session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Holakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. But if you do call in, I ask that all questions be directed towards my guest tonight, who is Sarvanoz Amonat, who is here to discuss her book, Self-Hell, A Picture Book for Your Inner Child. And if you have any questions about the book, if you read it this past week, as it was the book of the week for this week, you can call in and ask the author herself. Before I introduce her, I'll tell you a little bit more about her. Sarvanaz Amanat is a visual artist, author, and the director of Gallery 1515 in Vancouver, Canada. She also works as a museum educator at the Vancouver Art Gallery. And her most recent project is the book she's here to discuss tonight, Self-Hell, which features a series of drawings about the diverse emotions we universally experience as human beings. She has collated these drawings to create a picture book. She also uh, got educated and got her, got educated, that sounds very funny. Sarvanaz holds an undergraduate degree in art history from McGill University, which she got in 2002, and a master's degree in art history, theory, and criticism from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago in 2005. In addition to her studio work, Sarvanaz composes music, enjoys working with children, and traveling the world. Her father, you, the Iranian listeners might know, is Hossein Amonat, who is the architect of the Shahyad or Azadi monument in Tehran. So the artistic lineage continues in Sarvanaz, who is here with me tonight. Sarvanaz, thank you for joining me on the show. Hi, Farid. How, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming here. We, we had to um, arrange this because, as I mentioned, you were in Vancouver, and luckily we had you here in Los Angeles to bring you into the studio to discuss this wonderful book, Self-Hell, which I saw the images that you put in this book a few years ago, and then my father came to Vancouver to do some seminars and was with your family, and then he saw the book, and he came back to Los Angeles and he's like, oh, this book is, is amazing. Have you seen this book? And then he showed me the book and I remembered the images looked familiar. And once I saw it again, I myself was so impacted by it and felt it was such a wonderful work of art, but also so psychologically minded or related to the field of psychology that I def definitely wanted to share it on my show. So happy to have you here. And it's a picture book with some words in it. But because people can't see the pictures, maybe you, in a few sentences, could describe the book to the listeners. Sure. Uh, well, it's a series of 20 images, mm -hmm. um, 21 with the cover. And it uh, goes through a series of emotions. It starts with the more difficult ones. And um, with each illustration, uh, there's a description beside it with words. And um, it's drawn in a very simple comic style. Mm -hmm. Um, and I call it a book for your inner child because it's, in a way, uh, everything is communicated in a childlike way in the drawings. And it goes through this series of emotions that are all black and red drawings, uh, uh, very minimalistic. Um, and then it goes to more positive emotions and happier emotions mm -hmm. in the second half of the book and introduces some more colors, but... Uh, remains in a very uh, simple comic-like style throughout. Yeah, and you mentioned the the simplicity, which I think is very nice. People, hopefully, who 
seen the images can relate, but they make them a lot more raw, I think. And we're talking about some very intense but raw emotions, and you depict them in these images quite beautifully. And I remember the first time I looked through the book again, when I had some privacy in front of my father, I went through it quickly and I went and I was getting tears in my eyes. I was having these reactions and I was like, wow, this is incredible. Um, and I know you've gotten similar responses mm -hmm. from people. And even, I know you mentioned to me before, that's part of the motivation to make it into a book, right? Yes, that's right. Um, when I first made these drawings, I was just sketching. Uh, I had some ideas in my mind uh, and I was inspired to draw in this style because of an exhibition that we had at the Vancouver Art Gallery mm. in 2011 uh, of an artist called Art Spiegelman. And he's a comic book artist, but dealt with a lot of difficult and heavy issues um, as his parents were Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. And so he was communicating all of these stories in the comic format. And I then I had to work with students, high school students in this exhibition, and also do a comic book workshop. So as an artist myself, I'd never drawn in this style. It was the first time that I was going to sit down and draw a comic. And it was interesting in that I, I decided that I would start to draw emotions. Um, and I think after having many experiences in my own life, uh, and as an artist often visualizing things um, in, a, in a kind of artistic way of my own feelings, mm -hmm. I came to sketch, and, and this is what came out. I... Uh, I often just draw, in, as I mentioned to you, in a flow mode. I just mm -hmm. sit down and draw and don't think about it much. And this is what came out. Um, and it was very different to the previous very classical style that I would draw in um, normally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when I sat down to draw this, I just started going through all of these emotions. I would finish one and I would pick up the paper, my pen and draw another one. And when people saw them, my peers and my family, my colleagues, uh, there was very intense reactions. To them. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, what I found to be, you made quite an impression on me because uh, they had such intense reactions to it, whether positive or negative, that I thought, well, you know, maybe I should do something with them yeah, uh, and perhaps turn it into a book. And, and we're happy that you did. <laughs> uh, and I'm very happy that you did. And actually speaking of that, because um, I put a website on my social media where people can get it from your, your website, SavernozAmonat.com. Yes. That's correct. Um, are there other ways people can purchase the book? Um, currently, it's on my website. Uh -huh. uh, that's the most economical way of purchasing okay. the book. Uh, I know there's a copy on Amazon, but hopefully we'll get it on there soon. Um, it was being sold locally in Vancouver at bookstores, really. Okay. So the only way to buy it internationally is through my own website, okay. so people, That's right. So people can check that out. Again, the links are uh, at, on my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But it's S A R. V E N A Z A M A N A T. That's right. Dot com. Oh, and make sure you put the www. We had some issue with that before, but I'll post that those links again. Um, but you know, it is a picture book as you described it. But uh, for me, the first sentence, which is just four words, mm -hmm. is really a wonderful start. And I, I love this. It starts with "Being human is difficult," and I think that one is very accurate. But just simply in just four words captures that yes life is very difficult and the first half especially of this book really gets to those difficult parts of life um coming up with the words for the images was that also a challenge for you no i really saw it more as a poem uh, -huh. uh that's why the words are so simple and they yeah. 
sort of go hand in hand with the drawings as uh, descriptive words to help the reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I originally I was just drawing the drawings and didn't think of words or book. But I thought if I do uh, create a book, I'd like to have some words to go along. And they sort of mm-hmm. rhythmically read mm-hmm. along with the drawings and um, perhaps help the reader to kind of understand the drawings a bit better. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't challenging, no. I, I kind of knew what I wanted to say. Yeah. And like I said earlier, the the book is is really, you know, boiled down to the bare minimum, mm-hmm. even in the words and in the way I've, I've uh, created the drawings. Yeah. So it gives the opportunity for any reader of any background, whether they're very well educated, whether they're very sophisticated, whether they're simple, whatever culture they come from, obviously could be easily translated, mm-hmm. um, for them to access the book and yeah. uh, to look at the images and to be able to identify and have a kind of empathic voice mm-hmm. there in the book as they look at the images. Yeah, and you mentioned it being translated. We know that emotions, there are human emotions that, emotions that are universal. So yes. that part of the book doesn't need to be translated. The images themselves, and even I remember looking at the book with my father, and he was having certain interpretations, and my own were slightly different. And when I talked with you, I was getting your perspective, and we'll go through some of the various images, but it does allow for that, that people, people have their own interpretation. And the words... I think it's nice that it's simple because emotions are something very raw and even a lot of it is pre-verbal in some ways. So I think it's good to have the words be sparse and not too many. And really the images, I think, really tell the story more than the words. But let's talk about some of the images. I know listeners can't see them, but we'll describe them a bit because they each look at a human emotion or a human experience. And the first page after saying being human is difficult, it says so many tears, so much sadness and you see a girl who is sitting in a puddle although you can't really tell if the puddle is made from her own tears you see tears coming from her eyes and this kind of focused rain that is above her with all these drops that are coming just on her and then there's this this puddle that she is sitting in and her face is full of sadness and anguish now i kind of gave my own interpretations as i described it but how would you uh, how would you describe this image that's a great description um uh, yes, she's sitting in these in these puddles, and I should say that you know all these drawings are done with just black ink mm-hmm. pen and and red, uh, and they're you know a stick figure, uh, a stick figure girl, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so she's sitting there, and I, the drawing is really to describe the overwhelming feeling of sadness that you know with grief, with sadness, with loss, um, it's often so overwhelming that you do feel as if you know all of this. Sadness is pouring down on top of mm-hmm. your head, and mm-hmm. the tears are endless, and uh, as if they could form puddles yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're s- sitting in. And so, the drawing is uh, the first drawing in that this is really the beginning of so many other emotions. Mm-hmm. This sadness. Then they get a bit more complex. They do, um, and I think that, and we're definitely going to get into. Them. But yeah, you mentioned something for me is very important because you see it in therapy sometimes too. People don't want to open like the well of tears because they feel it's going to be endless. And that's in this image, you feel this, you know, this endless stream of Mm. tears. Are they ever going to end? Which I think sometimes keeps people from feeling that. And even, you know, the title of the book, um, I think, and even the cover of the book is worth mentioning and talking about. Because even when I say it, even it creates a reaction. Self-hell, that's an intense uh, coupling of words right there that I think everyone is going to have a reaction to. Uh, and say, calling it the inner uh, the, a picture book for your inner child. So can you maybe talk about this image a bit in the cover and also what made you think of that title? Sure. Uh, I think the 
cover is is very important um, as the beginning of this book. It uh, shows the girl standing in front of a bookshelf mm-hmm. uh, full of books, and uh, at the top of the bookshelf, there's a sign that instead of saying self-help, it says self-help. Mm-hmm. And around the shelf are flames and red, and behind her, there's a pit, a dark pit. It looks like the ground has opened up, and she's just standing a few inches away from this pit, and it looks like she really has nowhere to go to escape this uh, place that she's in. And she's confronted with books, and on the spines of these books, there are emotion, names of emotions that are um, difficult emotions, things like sadness, despair, pain, anguish, and as she's standing there staring at them. So when I was drawing this, I was thinking about how close uh, many people tread to uh, falling into deep pit of whether it's depression, um, addiction, uh, can be suicide. It's a dark place wherever it is. Um, and that's what's right behind her. And, and, and we skirt around that place, I think, as human beings quite often at different stages in our lives, depending on what our experience is. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if she goes back away from these books, if she backs away from them, she will fall in. So the question is, how does she get out? And, um, uh, you know, I, it was my belief at the time, and it still is, that she has to look at each one of these emotions very carefully. Mm-hmm. She has to open these books that say anger, despair, sadness, and look at them and spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get out is through. Yep. And so quote, yeah. she, as she takes them out, in a way that the shelf opens up and she can move beyond that space mm-hmm. to a realm, you know, that perhaps is more colorful. Yeah, well, I think that's, it. you know, and I definitely saw a lot of that, but see so much more after hearing you describe it. But I definitely, we talked before the show, that quote, the only way out is through. And as a therapist, I believe that so wholeheartedly that if you want to feel better, if you want to get through the pain of your past, the only way through, is, the only way out is through. You have to face it. You have to look at it. To just run away from it and avoid it, in this image, you're going to fall into a pit that's even worse than facing the pain. Also, we know that when people are depressed or in the, in this, they are in this self-help kind of a place, the only things that tend to come up in our mind are these negative things. So all the books she has in front of her are negative things, pain, mm. worry, loss, uh, all these negative things. That's all, unfortunately, are, are it's the things that come to our mind, bad memories, bad feelings, and that can make it even harder and that creates part of that downward spiral of depression that people tend to experience. But very often, again, even with that, people think, if I'm depressed, I have to just magically feel happy or take a pill or cheer myself up. But a lot of times there is something that we need to experience in that sadness that allows for us to come out the other side feeling much differently and growing through that process. So there is so much depth just even in the cover of the book. You haven't even, you know, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but there's already so much on the cover of this book um, that I hope all of you, if you haven't already purchased and read it, will go ahead and do so. Um, And we're going to continue to talk more after the break, going through more of the images, also some of the motivation and inspiration. I'm wondering if this little girl in the book represents you in some way. So we'll talk about that. Joining me tonight, author and artist, Sarvanaz Amonat. The book is Self-Hell. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In Session with Dr. Fadir Lokwi. Again, my guest tonight, Sarvanaz Amonat, and we're talking about her book, 
Self Hell. And, you know, before we actually leave the cover still, and during the break we were talking a bit and how it's a play on self-help, uh, and, and the cover looks like you're in a your favorite bookstore and you're going to the different sections and you stop upon this one, it says self-help. Um, maybe you can tell us a little more about where that inspiration came. Sure. Well, um, I was going through a period in my life where I read a lot of self-help books mm-hmm. and after experiencing some difficulty and challenges, and I think as many people often feel a um, you know, a feeling of desperation to try mm-hmm. to fix a problem or a feeling or make it go away. And um, I usually do things very intensely. I will read very intensely, research very <laughs> intensely. And um, I wanted to understand um, my, my own life experience. I wanted to understand how to find solutions to problems, uh, to to not feel, you know, difficult feelings all the time. I, I but what I felt one day after reading many self-help books was that I was essentially kind of finding different band-aids and, and putting them on my emotions uh-huh. and and not always kind of getting to the, the, the core of it. Um, some books I found to be extremely helpful, uh, and I don't want to discount uh, the validity of self-help books at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have a book of the week. If you're on the book of the week club, don't stop reading the books. That's kind of half a joke, <laughs> but half serious. But yes, I definitely agree with you. And I want to let you finish and yeah, share my no, thoughts on them. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. There are fantastic writers out there. There are many helpful tools. Um, but I felt that I wasn't necessarily looking at my emotions deeply enough. Mm. And I couldn't you know, find a book that was going to help me do that. And um, I ended up making it myself uh, as a result. Uh, you know, they, they there's many techniques in books. There are many stories of other people's lives that help you identify. But it also requires a certain kind of intellectual ability to be able to get into those books on a deep level, a certain amount of knowledge and mm-hmm. education. And I wondered, you know, what about people who don't have that, mm. who can't understand these books, who can't uh, get into it, don't have the time, don't yeah. have the ability. And um, I, I wondered about, uh, you know, validating their emotions mm-hmm. and validating their experience mm-hmm. and how can we do that visually. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, sometimes we think of art as, oh, the person painted this or drew this or saying this, but oftentimes it's before having the vision of what's missing or what can be, what, what can be. And you you felt something and couldn't find it and then you created it yourself in this book. And I think self-help books, yeah, they're definitely not all good and not all bad, like most things. I think there's a lot of them that are kind of saying like band-aids or they think quickly, whatever you're feeling, we're going to erase it. Or, you know, you don't need to feel this way anymore. People buy into it because that magical thinking feels so good. Oh, I feel I have no self-confidence. I'm going to read this book and be the most confident person in the world. When really we know things don't work that way. And I agree with you that there's a lot of very good ones that get a little deeper and there's a lot to you know have there, but also sometimes what can be missing in the self-help books, and I know people that are almost like self-help book addicts, and they just read the books, but they just stay in the books. They don't then apply it to their life or get to the experiential side. And a lot of healing isn't just through words, it's through experiences and uh, even feeling things and going through the actual steps, not just reading about the topic. So a book like this, I think, helps a lot and you were talking about the experiences people have in looking at the images by connecting them with some feelings, connecting them maybe with the part of themselves they've lost or they never really have been able to see outside of their own internal experience. And that could be very eye-opening, but also create an experience that I think in and of itself can be healing. And I think that's what's so great about the book. So I think that's wonderful that you 
you know, the title of the book is a play on self-help. Yes. Um, but this book itself can be seen as a self-help help book of its own. You know, it has that feel to it um, and connecting people with their inner child, but also these emotions and experiences they had both as children and continue to carry with them. Because what I liked about, you know, the title, although it's very dark, is that no one leaves childhood unscathed and no one experiences life without feeling these really deep, dark, negative feelings. It's part of life. And this book illustrates, no pun intended, the universality of that, that yes. everyone's going to feel those types of feelings. And I think um, that's wonderful. And that's that's great. Now, I did tease this before the break. The What we see in the book, in almost in every picture, there is a small young girl in there. And sometimes while I'm looking through it, I was almost like wanting to be there for her and have compassion for, because the images are so intense. Um, but in any art, we always wonder, is the artist himself in the art? Is this, does this girl represent you in some way? Yeah, absolutely. I think as an artist, you, you inevitably create from your own experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, whether she's just a girl that can represent anyone Mm -hmm. or, you know, even males can identify with the feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Um, for sure, it was very much based on my own personal experiences and also those that I felt people were having around me. I've always been a very empathic person, mm-hmm. um, and I do consider myself a kind of person that can feel people's pain around me and uh, empathize with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that I was really drawing on those experiences, both in my personal life and from the many close relationships I'd had around me of family, friends, and people who'd gone through difficult moments in their lives. And then also being a visual artist, being able to take that experience and take those observations mm-hmm. and describe them in in, uh, in a visual way. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, yeah. in a way, it is me, of course. You know, I was I was drawing... Uh, the pictures, and it was very much based on moments that I had where these things would pop into my mind. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had to identify with her to make it sure. effective. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, the book is also very much about truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's why it's been um, uh, an effective book for many people and, and for people who look through the book and are, and are affected by it, uh, is because it does reflect... Uh, truth um, of human experience. Mm. It's not trying to hide anything. It's not trying to, um, you know, look through rose-tinted glasses at the difficulty of being a human being. Uh, It's very raw and it's very truthful. Mm -hmm. And I think that in that process of investigating our own emotional body, in a way, our emotional selves, uh, one does need to go in with eyes wide open Mm-hmm. And denial does not serve anybody <laughs> in no, any way absolutely in not. that in that in that journey. Yeah. And you know, as much as you know, as you described it, you talk about the human experience. So as much as the little girl represents you, it represents everyone. Yes, everyone can exactly. relate. And even myself, sometimes as I would look through the images, sometimes I'd have this empathic response of wanting to be there for this little girl. But then sometimes I was like, Oh, that's me. You know, I didn't it wasn't that it was a girl and not me. I could see myself exactly in that that position. And also I've looked through the book, I, I can't count how many times now, but very often I have different experiences and I see it differently, almost like a Rorschach test in a way where I've, I've seen things differently the more times I've looked at it. And I think it, it's because of the raw emotion that's expressed there that it can be seen 
in many different ways. But maybe we can talk a few a, a bit about a few more of the the images. Um, the second one that comes up is a very powerful one. It says, "So many words, so much anger," and it's hard to even describe this image. I'll maybe let you describe it, but you feel this feeling of like rage in this girl when you see this one. But can you yes, describe the sure the, 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 the girl is standing kind of in the middle of this red uh, burst almost mm-hmm. behind her and around her. her right. Yeah. It's all around her. She's <laughs> in the center of it and out of, and she's, you see her mouth open as if she's screaming and out of her mouth, there is this large creature, like a monster like creature that is coming out of her mouth. And this creature has, you know, these sharp teeth and a sharp tongue and, and it looks like it's going in, in a direction, you know, it's feet are moving forward and, mm-hmm. and, the, the drawing is really about how when we are expressing anger and when we are overcome with anger, the words that come out of their, our mouths can really take on a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And almost, you know, in a way that's out of our control sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's that feeling. And this can happen in the most simple ways. And this is, I really think, how the book can connect to so many people is that a child can identify with this image, too. You know, they might get angry and start screaming and having a tantrum. And this is sort of what, you know, you might see in yeah. this image. But this also still happens with adults. There are Absolutely. adult tantrums. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, uh, you know, how anger can sometimes, like I said, take on a, an, a life form of its own. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think if, you know, maybe a kid has a tantrum and then you show them this image, they might, and say, is this how you felt? They might be able to say, yeah, that's how it felt. Because, and as adults too, we have this, but especially for kids, sometimes they don't know how to deal with the feelings they're having. And then it comes out in a way that they don't even like how it felt or it didn't feel good to them. And I think they could relate to this. And again, adults can too of this. Yeah, there was almost like this thing inside of me that was coming out. I was literally seeing red, you know, in the yes. drawing it's red and it almost felt out of my own control. And I think people seeing this, I think I like what you said about the life of its own. When we get angry, people, you know, we say they become possessed, right? Or they be, they mm-hmm. were so angry, uh, they seem like a different person. And that's how people can feel at times. And also we talked about this before the show about, although we might look at all the ones we've already started with in the first half of the book as the quote-unquote negative emotions, all of our feelings have some value and even can have some wisdom or something behind them. And it's not that they're just only bad, but we also have to recognize there is good in them. So although the book is divided in this way in the more negative and then the positive, there is this recognition that all the emotions are necessary and part of the human experience. Yeah, well, we're programmed to have them. Absolutely. You know, universally programmed to have all these emotions. So I think, you know, for to, to reject them mm-hmm. is, you know, there's something inherently wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they must be embraced and recognized. Now, whether to be controlled by them, that's another that's thing. Right. Uh, and I think this is the, the ultimate test of being human is to uh, go through life and, and you know, realize that we do have sometimes a lower nature. We have a higher nature. And how do we find that balance? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how do we you know, not give in to the, to the lower nature and, and, and still see how these emotions, even though they're difficult, they are useful at times Mm -hmm. and they have their place. Absolutely. All our emotions are information, just like our physical body tells us stuff. Oh, my knee is sore. My back is hurting, or this feels good. That feels bad. And we want to use all that information because if we didn't know our knee was sore, we might continue using it, have a really bad injury. Our emotions are the same thing. Some of them might not feel so pleasant, but they're always telling us something. It's informing us of something. Oh, if something made you really angry, rather than just trying to make it disappear or 
pretend it's not there, try to understand, well, why did I get upset? It's a universal emotion, as you mentioned. It's telling me something. And to ignore them actually is a huge disservice to ourselves and our relationships and the people around us. So to me, that's very important. Or even in this previous picture with the, um, the anger, with the monster that comes out, very often the monster comes out because we've let it grow for so long within us that when we finally let it out, it's a monster. But if we let it out piece by piece, it won't be as scary. So again, there's so many ways to look at each one of these drawings. We don't have time to get into all of them, but we're going to look at a few. Sure. Maybe the next one we can look at is here. So many fears, so much terror. What's going on in this image? So here in this image, we see the girl. She looks like she's in a small room, almost mm -hmm. against a wall. And she's sort of quivering against this wall. Looks like she's sort of pinned up against it. There's a band of fabric going across her mouth uh, as if she's sort of, and it's stuck into the wall with nails as if she can't move, so she's sort of trapped. And then just a few millimeters away from her feet, you see this creature, looks like a snake-like creature uh, that's very close to her. So she looks as if she's terrified of this snake. And and then as you go and, you know, see the creature there and follow along, you see that this kind of turns into even bigger monstrous creature. And you see a f the face of the girl in the jaws of mm -hmm. that monster-like creature except the girl looks like as if she's dead. She has her eyes crossed out. And um, uh, yeah, this is a pretty dark image. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it's it one is. of the scarier ones in mm -hmm. the book. Mm -hmm. And well, it's well, meant it's to be. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it is very, you know, uh, you know, fear can feel like death. Um, fear, we a lot of times fear our death. We know that the emotion of fear comes from because we feel that we're going to be in some kind of harm or, you know, something's going to mm -hmm. happen to us. Although very often it's a monster in our head. It's not a real monster out in the real world that we have to be afraid of. But it can be very paralyzing, too. And this image, yeah, she's kind of almost nailed to the wall because of this thing that covers her mouth. But also, we talked before the show, but covering her mouth, like she feels like she can't do anything. She can't scream. She's paralyzed to even say something. Yeah, Maybe I think the ask fear comes paralysis mm -hmm. uh, because there's a fear to move. There's a fear to speak. And, you know, it can be on many different levels. It can be a very serious thing that you're, you know, trapped or imprisoned and you're scared to do anything you're in an abusive relationship it could be a child who's scared to speak up in class mm -hmm. there's many ways one can experience fear but ultimately the feeling that you have is one of you know if you even make one move something bad is going to mm -hmm, happen mm -hmm. and what is that bad thing that's going to happen it's so terrifying that the way i've drawn it is almost like this ultimate fear of death being yeah. consumed by something very dark and horrible <laughs> yeah and um you know the i think that there are many different stories that exist uh people experience uh, their lives in different ways some people have horrible stories very traumatizing stories mm -hmm. other people have a a pretty nice life but they still experience these emotions yeah and so the the drawing even in this case is meant to appeal to that that very human uh, side of, of having those feelings, no matter what the story is. Mm -hmm, That's why mm -hmm. there is no story in this. Right. Book. <laughs> yeah. The story, it's a story of life in a way as kind of cliche as that might sound, but it is. And even when you talk about fear and death and that connection, like if, if we look at a phobia, for example, people logically know whatever they're phobic of is not going to hurt them when you talk to them outside of being in that experience or seeing whatever the object is. But in the moment when they face it, it feels like death, like they're going to die. So I have a pretty, I have a slight, I shouldn't call it slight, more than slight fear of when it comes to doing a blood draw and getting blood taken there. I, I yes. get lightheaded. I don't feel very good. Right now talking to you in this room, I'm like, I know nothing's going to happen to me. The very worst, worst, worst is like a bruise or minor, something like that. But 
in that moment, I know it doesn't feel good and it feels exaggerated. It, it could feel like this monster in this image all of a sudden is in front of me. And that's kind of how fear is. We can know even that something is not that scary, but in that moment when we're facing it, it feels that way. And I think that's why this image does such a good job of depicting that. Uh, we're actually getting to another commercial break. You know, after the break, we'll talk a bit more about some of the images, maybe a few more of the more negative ones in the first half of the book, but also talk about the uplifting turn there is in the book uh, later on and get to some of the more positive emotions that are talked about. Again, joining me tonight, author and artist Sarvanaz Amonad. We're talking about her book, Self-Help. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Joining me again tonight, Sarvanaz Amanat. We're talking about her book, Self-Hell. And, you know, Sarvanaz, there's almost every image I was going through right now, you know, saying, oh, I want to talk about this one. I want to talk about this one. There really isn't time. So I hope people will purchase the book itself and see them for themselves. Um, but maybe we can talk about a few more and talk a bit about the book. For example, um, let's see. What's There's all so many regrets, so much shame. And this is a complicated image, so... I'll let you describe it yourself. So many regrets, so much shame. Sure. In this image, we see the girl. She's standing, looking down, uh, you know, with a, with a look of sort of regret and shame on her mm -hmm, face. Mm -hmm. And she's looking at the floor, and you see a hammer in her hand with a bunch of nails scattered on the floor. And then in the wall right beside her, you see that nails have uh, been hammered into the wall in different places, and there are big cracks that are forming. And the cracks are also kind of extending out into the ground below her. Uh, so this image is about that feeling of regret and shame uh, that uh, she has tried to hammer a nail into a wall somewhere and mm -hmm. feels like she made a mistake. So she tries to hammer the nail into the wall somewhere else or cover up that mistake. And the mistakes keeps on, mm -hmm. they keep on growing yeah. and they multiply. And the feeling of shame also uh, keeps getting bigger and stronger. Yeah. And there's the cracks in the wall, but also, as you mentioned, cracks in the floor that are almost about to consume her. And I was mentioning to you before the break, I think almost everyone has this like wall of shame and regrets that unfortunately sometimes people just going and looking at. I, mean, I know people, I've seen them in therapy where almost every day they'll think of one of the worst things they've done because they can't forgive themselves yeah. for that. And if anyone stares at the their wall of shame and the, the worst things they think they've done in their life, you're going to think of yourself as a bad person every day. But we do have to realize we do good things, we do bad things. That's part of being a human being. We make mistakes, we err. But this fixation on the negative can be so overpowerful. And then, as you mentioned, trying to fix because we, we think we're so shamed for what we do, we have to fix it or cover it up, as you said. Sometimes it leads to even more suffering and creates more pain mm. um, rather than just embracing, okay, I made a mistake and that is okay. But we can get really unfortunately, in that kind of downward spiral of regret and shame and judging yes. ourselves negatively. Um, and it can be very hard to get out of. Mm -hmm. um, oh, this is another one that I definitely want to mention. So many thoughts, so much confusion. The image, it, you know, it just, it's perfect. Like right when you look at, yep, that's, that's, that's what that is. Yes. I think that one's actually posted on my website. There are a few of these posted on my website. Okay. So if people want to go take a look, they can follow along. Yes. 
Uh, this one shows the girl with a big, huge thought bubble above her mm -hmm. head. But this thought bubble is full of different faces, stylized faces that look like they're screaming or nervous or anxious or snickering. And uh, she's got her eyes closed, almost like there's just a loud noise coming. She she wants it to stop. And I think that this is really, you know, how we can be overwhelmed with thoughts mm -hmm. and confusion when we're trying to find clarity about whatever it is you might be thinking about an issue, you might be thinking about a decision, you might be thinking about, I don't know, something that happened earlier in the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's so many voices in our heads sometimes of, oh, you know, you know, I should do this or I should do that. Or, you know, what if, you know, different feelings that come to us. And sometimes it's very difficult to find some peace and stillness and clarity mm -hmm. with all that noise. Yeah. And that depicts that exact yeah. moment of thought overthinking. Yes, overthinking and kind of overload. And, you know, there's different faces and the faces can represent her, different personas or feelings within her, or it can be different people in her life or yes. things she's heard. But you can just see she's just overwhelmed and can't, there's no clarity. There's no peace of mind. I think many people can relate to that. Even, uh, you know, people trying to go to sleep and then they have all these voices, thoughts, mm -hmm. confusion in their head, and they can't shut that off. Um, you know, I'll just skim over. There's you know, wonderful image about emptiness, about pain, wounds, uh, you know, that go on. And then we'll, we'll kind of, because we only have a few minutes left, and I want to make sure we talk about the uplifting change sure. then. But in the midst of it all, there is strength, there is resilience. And here we see the young girl, she's sweating because she's working to climb up this wall to what she sees on the other side might be kind of, it looks like a brighter future, something positive to look towards. And she's going away from what we see under her, the flames of the self-hell that she has been in. Mm -hmm. That's I, right. So I, there's also, here's kind of where the, the, the book switches, and you there's also the introduction of two other colors, the mm -hmm. yellow and the blue, instead of just red and black. So here mm -hmm. we're just dealing with a palette of primary colors, the most simple colors uh, on the color wheel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, she is, um, yeah, climbing up. And really, I think for anybody to get out of a dark place, it requires yeah. strength and it requires resilience mm -hmm. and it requires courage. Yeah. And again, like we're saying, all of these are, all the emotions are within us, but also strength and resilience is within all of us as well. So then she, she climbs up and then we see she has, she reaches, you know, where you say there's hope, there's optimism. Um, and then the next image is, you know, I think really interesting. It says there's beauty and there is awe. And we see her staring at the magnificent, magnificent sun, but behind her, we still can see part of the flames from the self hell. And I thought that was an interesting image because it showed that we can always look for the beauty in the world, or we can also be looking towards the hell or the, the, the negative, but it is at times a choice. So I thought that was interesting that you can still see the hell in the background. Yes. I, obviously, I'm sure that was It's never too well far intended. away. <laughs> yes. And I guess that's another, another aspect of that, that it isn't far away. It's always still there. And we mm -hmm. talked about this before the show, that although we can read this book linearly from front to back, from cover to cover, life makes it so that you sometimes will be in the beginning of the book, maybe in the same day, parts of the end of the book, and then back mm -hmm. in the beginning. It's not just we go through it one way. So it's like you were sad for a period of your life and the rest of your life you're going to be happy. No, you're no. going to experience all of these things uh, at different times. Um, but let's see. And this one I think we definitely should talk about. There is kindness. There is compassion. Describe this image here. So here we see uh, the girl sitting in a puddle still, but um, different from the sadness image that we spoke about at the beginning of the interview here, there is no more kind of rain of tears showering down upon her, but rather you see 
an image of herself, actually a, a double, <laughs> uh-huh. that's helping her get up. And the rain has now turned into a rainbow. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about self-compassion, too. It's yeah. about that the first person that needs to be kind to you is also yourself. You need yeah. to help pick yourself up and you need to be forgiving. You need to be compassionate to yourself. And, uh, you know, we need to help ourselves um, to get up and out and to see the color, to see the beauty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's the, the beautiful image is like she's helping herself. It's There's kindness and compassion and you can think of other people. But in this image, it's the self-compassion, which I think, is the most important. If we can't be kind and loving towards ourselves, it's going to be very hard to get out of that self hell. Mm. It really is uh, necessary. And then, you know, she experiences happiness and joy, and we see her flying, holding a balloon, and pleasure and delight. And there's music, and you see this this experience. Um, I'm skipping through a lot of the pages because we only have a few minutes left. Um, and even in the laughter image, is very interesting. We talked about, you mentioned that there's a few images of her laughing, but it was to illustrate the movement. I do want to get to this image then. There is trust, there is connection. Uh, and you see her swinging next to now a new person has been introduced, the only, I think, image of another person. Uh, this, this It looks like a male figure sitting on a swing next to her. Can you describe this one sure. for us? Sure. She's sitting on the swing, he's sitting on a swing. They're suspended from the sun, mm. which makes an appearance in a few images, the sunlight. And then they're swinging over top of the ocean and looking out kind of onto this view of uh, mountains. And uh, this was interesting because it was probably one of the more challenging uh, drawings that I had to to create in that I did not want it to be about romantic love necessarily. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, t- uh, I was thinking beyond that. Well, what makes romantic love, you know, what is it the foundation of that or any relationship mm-hmm. for that matter? And I think, you know, this could be a relationship between siblings, between a parent, between friends, between, you know, any two individuals. Yeah. If there is trust and connection uh, mm-hmm. in, in a moment, especially of vulnerability, mm-hmm. which is the moment that I've depicted them. You know, if they fall off the swings, you know, they're going down, down <laughs> into the ocean. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there is a peace in the image. Yeah. It's not necessarily at all a negative one. There's peace because they're together. And there's company and there's support. And, but they're sort of ultimately connected to one source somewhere. There's a connection between Mm -hmm. them and that is the sun. Right. And yeah, and they're connected yet separate. So so they're still independent of their own, but then they are connected in something greater. You can say God, you can say love, whatever, however people want to look at it. Um, But it's interesting that there is that connection yet, yet independence at the same time, but you need to have that trust and connection again, uh, if we don't have that, we do live in a self-help. We don't have that type of type of experience. Um, and then you end the book beautifully with, and most importantly, there is love. Um, and maybe you can describe yeah, that. Yeah, and there's image. sort of a beam of light, again, coming from that sun-like mm-hmm. form uh, that enters into her and also sort of abounds out of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that love can be experienced alone and as a as a singular person you know it doesn't necessarily people often think about love being between two people but love is an emotion that can just radiate out of a single human being towards the world towards you know other human beings towards nature towards animals whatever it is yeah. uh you know it's but it's such a powerful emotion mm-hmm. love and i often feel it's actually you know minimized or kind of cut short changed i should say <laughs> yeah in that it's seen as sort of a trivial thing or 
you know, love comes and goes, but right. no, it's a constant. It's always Absolutely. there. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, sometimes we'll talk about love as a renewable resource and that the more of it you have, the more of it you have to give. And, you know, it doesn't become less or you run out of it. It becomes more. So the more you have here, she has it within herself and it's coming out of herself. The more you have it for yourself, the more you can have it um, for other people. But then, you know, it's the end of this journey that we see her going through that she ends with this, with the love that's, there's good in this world that you kind of, this uplifting part in the end, yes. the most important is love. Yeah. Um, so the book really is, it takes you on that journey that I described. And even like, it's funny now turning back to the cover, now the front cover, and now I feel that sadness and that intensity again, mm. whereas the end of the book was that uplifting part. But I think it does a great job of that whole spectrum of emotions and experiences that we all have and we all will experience and I really hope people, if they haven't already checked it out, like you said, at your website, www.sarvanozamonat.com, you can see some images from the book and some other art you did related to this theme. Um, but they can also get the book from your website yes. and, and check it out. And we hope you'll do, you know, I don't know, have you thought of doing another one in I'm this series? I'm thinking about it, yeah, yeah. I have some ideas. It's a matter of time for me. I'm a, I'm a busy busy person <laughs> so yes, you're it's just a matter of time a mother of two yes um, so yeah, I'm sure that's a mother of two boys job, yeah. and, and working as well so you know it's just a matter of time for me to sit down and have that moment too but I, I do have some things in the works and hopefully at one point I'll have the time to uh, you know get to it and, yeah. and, and complete that project well you know I really appreciate you coming on because I've done the books of the week you know I've done like 25 26 this year and you know that's a lot of words and in, in them and words we always think can help us through so much but as we talked about in the last segment there's so much that art and images can do and it can tap into especially emotions in ways that words have a hard time mm -hmm. doing and that's why i really was happy and i'm you know i'm glad you gave me the permission or to make this the book of the week for this past week to talk about tonight because i think you know when we look at the human experience it's hard to describe it in words very often but the images can can do that. That's why I hope people do check it out. So thank you so much for thank for you for having me. Tonight. It's wonderful to be here. <laughs> and hopefully, when you write the next one, we'll we'll have you back on the show. I hope so. All right. So my guest for tonight was author and artist Sarvanaz Amonat. Her book is Self Hell. Again, you can get it from her website. I posted the images on my social media. I'll go ahead and do that again. Uh, but you can get it on Amazon, but also www.sarvanazamonat.com. Hope you will read that book and if you have any thoughts about it send me messages i can pass them along to the author as well again cyber thank you for joining me tonight thank you for having me thank you to amir here in the studio all the listeners out there you've been listening to in session with dr fatty hope you have a wonderful night 